Spirit of Design delves deep into the unseen elements of design and holistic sustainability. Join us, Amy and Anya, for open conversations with creatives, scholars, activists, and others to envision alternative design futures that are diverse, inclusive, community-centric, and in symbiosis with all life on this planet. podcast. Uh, today, Anya and I are going to be chatting about fashion and patriarchy and how they interweave with each other and the intersections of patriarchy and sustainability and fashion and design in general. Um, and we're super excited to have this conversation. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more like a kitchen roundtable conversation between the two of us. And we're going to bounce ideas off of each other and just really dive in where we feel like it and we hope you enjoy. So let's kick it off. Hey, Anya. Great. Thanks, Amy, for that great introduction. Looking forward to chatting about this um, pretty huge and multifaceted topic today. Me too. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, Amy, if you want to begin, because I know in the recent um, article you've written for Lisa Magazine, um, which we'll put links to in the show notes below that'll be coming out next month November you when you talk about um sustainable fashion uh, from an indigenous perspective you so beautifully correlate the oppression of women of the feminine to be precise and the oppression of the earth do you mind speaking to that for a little bit Sure. Yeah. I, I think what I spoke about in the Le Somme article was about, um, similar to what we're talking about today and how patriarchy has played a role, um, in kind of the oppression of the feminine and the oppression of earth. And for me, I tie these, um, I, I kind of see these correlations between the oppression of women, um, within the patriarchy as being tied with the oppression of the earth. You know, when we look at the earth from um, an earth-based kind of culture perspective or an indigenous perspective, we see the earth as the mother um, and she is innately feminine. And so to me, when I'm, I'm looking at the oppression of the earth and what is taking place and how we've gotten to this point where we're at today, where, you know, it's just so natural for businesses to extract and resources and for business to operate kind of from these paradigms that are really extractive and really abusive to the natural world. I see that the oppression of the feminine has been so vital to get to this point where this is an acceptable way of doing business. And for me, I look at that and I see, you know, this kind of point where women were then were seen as being lesser than men. Um, and it wasn't just women that were oppressed. It was also indigenous cultures who value women as being sacred and who value the earth as being sacred and being feminine. Um, and it was the oppression of the feminine within men as well. And the feminine has been impressed in all non-binary gendered peoples, the feminine overall, it didn't matter whether it was in a male body, a female body, uh, what kind of body it was in. Um, the feminine has been oppressed and it's been a vital component of this kind of history that's led us to this moment in time where it is so natural and so okay with us that the earth is oppressed in the way that she is and that she's extracted from by big business in the way that she is. And, and I just see those ties so clearly between the way we uh, oppress women and the way we objectify women and the way we, you know, kind of take from women and from the feminine within all life, basically. Uh, and that, that tie to the way we interact with our natural world and with, the, with our mother earth. 
Mm. I love how you talk about that it's the feminine qualities. It's not just women, like gendered women. It's more, it's, I think it's a bit beyond that. It's the, the feminine qualities that have been oppressed in our society. Um, you know, that nurturing, that nourishing, that caring elements of our humanness, intuition, reflection, tenderness, things like beauty and sensuality have been kind of pushed aside and not considered to be as much of value as this, um, as logic or rationalization or the intellect, which are these other parts of our humanness that perhaps sometimes can be more associated with the masculine energies. So I think that's mm. so great that you pick, um, bring that up. I think it's important to acknowledge that 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 the feminine has been oppressed in all life because it's really easy as women to recognize how women have been oppressed within the patriarchy but it's not as easy to recognize where the feminine has been oppressed within the male gendered species it's not as easy to recognize that because we naturally like to make one side wrong and one side right. It's easier to figure things out in our in our minds that way. But when we, you know, when we look at what's happening with men today and we can see how so many of our young men are have become so disconnected from the emotive side of themselves, that emotional side of themselves, um, and unable to express emotions and be with kind of that really feminine side of themselves and you can see how how um destructive that is when that feminine has been oppressed within within the male species and how that leads to aggression and how that leads and even when it's you know when just the masculine has been valued not masculine as in gender but masculine as an an energetic thing how when that has been valued over the feminine energies how that expresses itself in really um unhealthy ways both in in all all, all gendered peoples it doesn't it doesn't matter what gender you re you identify as you can see how when one is valued over the other how that expresses itself in certain ways and how when the masculine energy is valued above the feminine energy that comes across in really aggressive um kind of controlling uh ways and i think it's important to acknowledge that it's not just women um, who have been hurt by that, by the patriarchy, but it's it's everybody. Everybody is affected by the patriarchy. At the end of the day, nobody wins because, uh, you know, because it, 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 is, it is such an unbalanced um, perspective to take. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important point to make, that it's not just this one-sided issue that it's not just one gender or energy is kind of in the right and the other one has to suffer I guess um going back to our point that we were just speaking about before we started the podcast about the idea of feminism can be problematic sometimes because it may be excluding people and causing more separation whilst perhaps we needs to be a more inclusive feminism or perhaps it needs to be something even moving beyond these current paradigms that are just fighting for room at the table. You know, how can we move beyond this, these ideas to something that's, you know, inclusive for all? Um, otherwise, I think we're still, if we're just, you know, blaming and shaming and pointing the finger we're just perpetuating more of the same ideals and the more of the same energy that actually created the patriarchy in the first place. So it's like, how can we move beyond these paradigms, beyond these ways of thinking? And something that's just come to mind now is, you know, how this way, this way of seeing the world through this um kind of patriarchal very um western mechanistic construct has really caused the 
um, degradation of the uh, natural environment that we see today. So I guess there's a lot of um, people that talk about this idea of ecofeminism. I guess some people to note whose work you might want to look into is like Vandana Shiva, the Indian environmentalist and scholar, people like Carolyn Merchant um, in the US, as well as um, Val Plumwood here in Australia, um, who talk and create deeply around this idea of ecofeminism that actually that says that the exploitation of women and nature is very much the same thing and very much interrelated. And so what it does is ecofeminism from my re the small amount of research I've done into it and understood around it is that it challenges this idea that men were identified with culture and hence were superior to women who identified with nature. So it was like this mechanistic worldview that came up. I think it was, yeah, with the rise of capitalism in the 16th century. So I guess it, when the feudal states of medieval Europe were breaking up, um, that's when like this new dynamic force kind of shattered these pre-modern ways of life and started, you know, really kind of pushing this um, mechanical worldview of the world before then. People saw the earth as the center of the cos cosmos of the universe, that we had to look after the earth. Um, there was this kind of responsibility, but whilst we see the um, rise of capitalism um, in the medieval economy completely um, towards the end of the medieval economy, towards the 1700s, um, really kind of giving rise to these tendencies towards capitalist relations of production and modes of economic behavior that saw the earth as a commodity, as something to conquer and um, have dominion over to extract and it's quite interesting um, so the medieval economy was really based on organic and renewable energy sources whilst you know then it when it was transitioning to the um, capitalist economy that's when actually um, the non-renewable energies such as you know coal and other metals um, which were inorganic, you know, began to rise and um, humanity started depending on fossil fuels. So it's quite interesting how interlinked the rise of capitalism is with the fossil fuel industry. Mm. And also really interesting that you're talking about that time. Um, I know Raj Patel, who wrote the book, uh, the world in seven cheap things. I think that's what it's called. Mm. Uh, he talks about uh, on a, I listened to a podcast where he was speaking about, you know, his book and his work. And he was talking about, um, he, where he saw the beginning of capitalism, um, emerging from was that, that time, that time frame where there was the burning of the witches. And he felt that, um, it was, the burning of the witches was necessary for the rise of capitalism because it was the oppression of the feminine, which was so deeply tied to the natural world and to the earth. And that was a hugely significant point in our history. Um, so I think it's really interesting that you brought up that, that time frame. And yeah, I guess that's when that organic worldview of like mother nature at, the world at you know the center of the cosmos where humans had a responsibility to protect it kind of began to disintegrate and that's the worldview we live in now where you know the earth generally on the most part obviously um the earth is seen as this um thing to control and um, take from and it's treated like a machine not like a sentient feeling energetic vibrational being it's treated like a machine um, which also I guess draws links to a lot of our technocratic um, worldviews that we live in the moment where 
which ties into the sustainability space where we feel that the answer to a lot of our un issues of unsustainability will only be solved by technology whilst that perhaps is not the case. Perhaps we need to be looking at more holistic ways forward. Perhaps mm. that's only a tool. Yeah, perhaps that's just a part. Perhaps that's the masculine side of the masculine energy balance, uh, masculine feminine balance. And and when you're saying when you're speaking about um, when you were just speaking about that, what came up for me was how that kind of the the way we extract from the natural world. It, it's so similar to the way we have treated women. Um, and how we have commodified women's bodies and commercialized their bodies. We sell them. Um, we look at women as something to market and uh, market to and market, you know, buy. Um, and it's really interesting to me that it, it that the approach we take with the female body form is the same approach we take with the earth. Um, and also, as you're saying about our approaches to sustainability um, and how we feel that this approach should be, you know, solved by technological advancements, you know, as we just said, that that perhaps that's just one piece of the puzzle. Perhaps that's the masculine side of of things, but the feminine side of um, the whole picture is so vital because the feminine side of the picture is that actual engagement with the earth. And, you know, you and I have spoken about this so many times that so often within sustainability, um, especially when we're talking about it from a, a fashion point of view, we're talking about sustainability from behind our computer screens or, you know, our, our iPhones or whatever. Um, but how, how often are we actually engaged with the earth? How often are our bare feet touching the soil? How intimately do we know our mother earth and are engaged with the, with, you know, even, even down to the fibers, which, with which we make clothing from how often are our hands actually touching those fibers before they become cloth. You know what I mean? Like we have lost that feminine connection, which is very much about a spiritual way of being with the land, which is very much about, um, the feminine as being the keeper of that kind of sacred knowledge of connection to the earth. And, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting that you brought up that point about our, the approach that we're currently taking within sustainability as being very kind of technologically based in within that masculine energy. Yeah. It's, um, interesting that we think that on the general um, scale that to solve these issues, we still need to continue with the same way of thinking that actually created these issues, <laughs> which, is, which quite baffles me. And then, um, you know, the same way of thinking that sees parts as separate as opposed to the world, um, as opposed as the world um, as a, as a connect interconnected entity. So I think there's work to be done there around different paradigms and systems that can actually nurture alternative ways forward. Mm. So how do you think, like now that we're going down this topic of fashion, mm. I just want to pose this question yeah. to this conversation we're having right now. How do you feel that fashion, what is fashion's role in perpetuating patriarchy? Oh, it's massive if, you know, if it's fashion continuing business as normal, it's a very um, not inclusive, not diverse space. You know, I guess in terms of um, superficially, we might look at the way that fashion, um, it's changing a little bit now, but predominantly fashion has, um, you know, certain beauty ideals of women and therefore that's, you know, perpetuating one beauty standard that completely um, diminishes people that do not like, look like that. So other people of color, differently abled people, um, indigenous peoples, um, they're not represented in the fashion space. Again, pa uh, um, perpetuating patriarchy. One massive example is most people 
working in fashion supply chains are women. I think it's like 80%. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and there is so much exploitation still happening um, in sweatshops, you know, the toxicity going into the rivers, pollution. Um, then women are giving birth to children um, that have disabilities because of all the chemicals and conditions that they're working under or that are happening um, with fashion supply chain factories within their region. So I guess this also relates to this idea of ecofeminism where there's this close um, interconnection between um, production, the production of things and also reproduction and how a lot um, in our patriarchal capitalist society, a lot of the production of things actually, those consequences of that production of things actually impacts women's reproduction in a massive, massive way, um, whether that's through health or through how they're able to be in the world and re um, reproducing not only um, biologically but um, you know, uh, in terms of um, how they're doing things in the world and how they're limited by that on how they're able to produce themselves, very much interlinked. Um, wow. so, so, yeah, women are predominantly in fashion supply chains, getting still a lot of sweatshops, a lot of exploitation on a mass scale, and it really makes you think if all these fashion brands that are starting to promote, you know, feminism, you see all the slogans with feminism happening like uh, from Topshop and all these big suppliers um, with massive celebrity endorsements, but the women in their supply chain are not being treated fairly and not being paid fairly, uh, you know, have to send, um, aren't, don't see their children only a few times a year, just these crazy um crazy things are happening to women still all in the name of getting you know cl new clothes on our backs so i guess that that would be another example and i'd really i'd really like to link if there's like imagine if we actually started holding these companies accountable for what they're doing to these women people in the supply chain as well as the environment because it's all interlinked and actually, you know, we see some countries now starting to talk about reparations. What if these big companies that have caused this destruction in terms of these communities and these um, people's bodies and um, for generations to come, what if they were held accountable and there were, there were reparations to, to be paid? I think that's such, a, such an interesting and powerful question to ask. And I think it's really interesting that you um, spoke about and touched on how the fashion industry has this non-direct control over women's reproductive health. Um, I mean, I knew that, but just the way you framed it, put it in a way that I had never thought of it before. And wow how interconnected all of this is in such a profound way. Um, and when you start to link it all together, you can see how it's, you know, it just weaves through everything. And it's, it actually, what comes up for me when you're speaking about that is that, you know, it weaves through everything and therefore it's impossible to, to actually exist within the same systems that we have and have equality and have, you know, equal rights for women and all of these things. It just, it's just impossible to operate within this system that's so interwoven and interlaced with patriarchy and expect that, you know, we'll just change a couple of things and all of a sudden we'll have a completely fair and equal system. Wow. Oh, that was big. Yeah. It's this is really going to re like I don't don't have the answers obviously because this is this is huge but this is really going to require us to ask deeper questions and get 
really real with how we're all contributing to this, especially the, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're privileged. You are, we are. Um, and you know, how are we, we're living within this, these systems and we are all contributing to these systems in some way, which is a harsh truth, I think, um, to swallow, which, you know, I have difficulty with myself. Um, and getting real with how, yeah, we, I think, benefit from these systems as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, one of the things that I really like that I just want to add there that really comes up for me when I'm looking at fashion, how fashion and patriarchy are interlinked. And when you're saying like, we have to look at, um, you know, where we're contributing. I think one of the things that's really important at this point to acknowledge is that um, the entire industry has kind of grown itself based on marketing to women to distract women from their true value by selling us our value based on how we look. And it distracts us from our intuition. It distracts us from our, our true selves and from women as that, that sacred connection to earth. It distracts us from all of those truths of ourselves as the feminine. It distracts us from that because, you know, the industry has built itself on marketing to us our value and distracting us from the real truths of ourselves. Because if we were really, if we really knew the truth of ourselves as, as, as women, as the feminine, if we really knew the truth of that, the way that we would go about our lives and the way we would interact with our natural world, the, the community that we would have uh, with each other, it would just be profoundly different from this distracted version of ourselves that we have become because we have allowed you know, now it's an allowance in, in this point. Perhaps for for a time frame, it wasn't, you know, a conscious, it wasn't, It we weren't allowing it to happen. It was, there was violence enacted that forced us to be submissive to the patriarchy. But today, you know, we're distracted through that, through the selling of our value back to ourselves through creams and makeups and, you know, clothing. And if you're, if you just look like this, then you'll just be like this. And that distraction is so profoundly disconnected us from the truth of ourselves and from who we really are that I feel like acknowledging that, recognizing that, um, facing off with that goes a long way towards um, how we can then acknowledge you know, which parts we have to play in this system and where we're contributing to it. And, um, but when we're constantly selling ourselves out to something and we feel that our value is intertwined with this system, then it's very hard to engage with this because our value is dependent on being engaged with it. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Oh yeah. Oh, Amy, that's huge. Yeah, that intertwining our values with this current system. And I feel that almost every woman, now that I think about it, that I know, and even some men have suffered with some sort of um, body image issues, probably everyone that's imposed upon by current celebrity models and systems and how you should look and obviously the mental illness ties in with that but that's it's absolutely like you said it's it's distracting us from our our essence and our power our power like it's we are giving unconsciously or consciously we are giving away our power to these other powers and patriarchal systems at play and allowing ourselves consciously or unconsciously to be manipulated. Mm, absolutely. Because I, I think what, I think you've just hit it on the head because I don't think that, you know, when, when you go out and buy the $5 dress for the weekend that you're going to wear once, I don't think you would consciously go out and, and think to yourself, you know what, 
some woman has made this. Some woman is tied up in slavery and made this and she's barely been paid. And, you know, and think about all of those ramifications. And I think at this point in time, most of us are aware of that. I think, I think there's some level of awareness with most of us, whether we fully understand the complexities of the situation or not. I think there's a general awareness now that, you know, the, that a $5 dress is probably made within conditions of slavery. I think generally we understand that, but because our value is so tied up in that and because we're so distracted by this idea that we have to have a new dress every weekend so that we have something cool to wear on Instagram and so that, you know, our last Instagram photo doesn't, we're not wearing the same thing in this one. You know what I mean? And, and I think because... And I think the trade-off comes there because our value is intertwined in the system because we've sold our value to the system. We've sold our value as humans to the system. And when your value is sold to the system, you're always going to choose your value over the value of somebody else's life or the value of the natural world. And that's where it becomes really sticky because I think if we removed our value from the industry or from the system, if we unplugged our value from that and we took it back and said, you know what, this can't be defined by anybody or anything. I am innately valuable as my own person. If we remove that from the system, of course you would never make any of the choices we make. You know, you'd never buy the $5 dress because you would be able to see with perspective no, I don't want to contribute to that. That doesn't align with my values. I, I don't want to be a part of something that is destroying the earth, is not honoring people's you know value as human beings. I, I don't want to be a part of that. But when our values plugged into the system, we can't see that. Or we can see it, but we'll always choose ourselves because we feel the need is so, the, the need is so, I don't know, so it, it feels so important because our values tied in that system. And I think that's, one of the places we need to begin with is acknowledging where we've sold ourselves out. Oh, absolutely. That's huge. It's like we're fed these ideals that we're not enough unless we have those things or look like that, but it's just, it's like a cycle. It's just going to keep happening and happening until we find that enoughness, that belonging, that connection just within ourselves or with our communities and with the natural world. And yeah, this is really deep stuff and in no way I hope we're not making it sound easy or black and white because I think it's not. It's There's so much um, ingrainingness. I don't even know if that's a word, ingrainedness. You know know what I mean, the the stuff that's been ingrained in our blueprints for since we were born and what a great time to be alive to actually start to become conscious of these things and start to choose um to think and to act differently Hmm. i love if you would just touch on a little bit i mean we talked on this before we started our podcast but you were talking a little bit about the suppression of sensuality and sexuality and reconnecting with that part of ourselves as being integral in this new paradigm. Can you just kind of like take us down that pathway as we're discussing our value and, you know, unplugging from the system? Sure. Um, So listen to an awesome podcast a few weeks ago, which will put show notes, um, We'll put links to the show in the show notes below. Um, it was a For the Wild podcast with Ayana Young and Bronte Valles, and they were talking about this idea, which completely resonated, that as people, both as women and men, we really need to connect more into our sensuality and sexuality um, and eroticism for the sustainability movement. And they talked about this idea that the patriarchy actually has suppressed our sensuality and sexuality, um, particularly because it is a powerful force and a powerful energy um, that, you know, has been, 
you know, really tapped into in um, other ancient cultures, in, um, in ancient India, in a lot of other places. And, you know, with the rise of capitalism and this mechanistic worldview as nature was kind of suppressed and women more and more suppressed um, and the church grew more controlled and these things like sexuality and sensuality, women's desires, pleasure, um, really were not allowed. And I don't, I don't know if that's because it is so powerful or I, I, I assume that, but um, I guess as a culture in the West and some countries have more suppression than others, we are quite, um, you know, sexuality and sensuality is still a, a taboo. It's still something that's suppressed in a lot of us in um, our communities, in our culture. There's a lot of sexual trauma um, in whatever shape and form that may look like. And tapping into that essence may be something that's quite powerful in moving us forward in sustainability. Because if we are as interconnected to the earth as you know a lot of us believe, then wouldn't the earth want us to be in our pleasure, in our desire, in our fullest expression, which I do believe includes our sensuality and sexual selves? Um, wouldn't the earth want that for us in this transition towards sustainability? Because at the moment we do see a lot um, in this movement, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this, Amy, and I know we've both been feeling this, there's a lot of guilt and shame in this activism work in um there's a lot of um anger and grief which are all you know valid emotions and important to process but i'm i'm pretty over it to be honest um it's not it's something i've worked through and now i'd love to know what does the transition towards sustainability look like when it comes from a place of joy, pleasure, desire, sensuality, when, um, you know, you can still have this knowing of what's happening in the world of, um, the great destruction and extraction, you know, still know that, but how can you act your every day in true communion, um, and connection with the earth, but being in, in your pleasure and joy and desire, which I think is our fullest human expression here. I don't know if that really makes sense. Oh, what totally I'm saying, makes sense. But that's that podcast, just that bringing those ideas to the table for this movement just resonated so much with me, I guess, personally, because I've been... Um, this year I've been rewriting a lot of old patterns and beliefs around sensuality and sexuality in my personal life that comes from old religious dogma and societal conditioning. And this resonated so much about how we can make this transition forward and this um, sustainability movement more holistic, more um, encompassing our whole selves, which includes this sexual and sensual and erotic element that has been shut out mm. because of the patriarchy. Mm, I love that you just touched on that. And I, I think what's really interesting is that I think a lot of people listen to this and be like, what are you talking about? It's been shut down because it has been shut down, but it has been also, you know, women have been over-sexualized, but from a male gaze, you know, yes. through pornography and through the way we market things. And that isn't sensuality at all. And that isn't the full expression of the feminine or a woman in her sexual self or in her pleasure and her desire. That That's a male gaze. And that very much fits within the patriarchy. It's It's containing women in the bite sizes that are acceptable to the patriarchy in ways that we can use and abuse women and not a woman fully self-expressed. And I think it's so beautiful that you touched on that and about how, you know, this movement so often within sustainability is so aggressive and angry. And yes, those are important 
emotions. But like you said, I'm, I'm also so fed up with that. I've been feeling those emotions since I was a young child. They've run through my veins so often and I'm, I've felt them fully. I have felt that grief fully for so many years now. And I, I love this idea of, you know, reconnecting with that sensual and sexual part of ourselves in this new paradigm and that, that, that joyful part of ourselves and bringing that into this movement because, you know, if, if everything everyone says is true, right. And, and I don't doubt that we're in dire times, but if that's the truth, right. And the world is really, I'm just in air quotes here, gonna end. Um, (laughs) the world as we know is going to end. Let's just quote unquote. Um, if that's really the truth of the matter, then wouldn't you r- rather live this moment fully self-expressed than to live it in just the emotions of anger and aggression and grief? Like, isn't this moment so important if that's the truth and this is all we have right now, then isn't it so important to live this moment and to be fully self-expressed and to experience it completely and fully in, in all of its aspects of life? I think what's really interesting about this that you've just brought up is, and about the anger conversation that you just touched on, is that one of the things my dad is always challenging me on is he said it's so easy to be an activist. Everyone can be an activist. Everyone can make noise and talk about all the things that they're angry about and grieving through and upset about. You can talk about all the generational trauma you want and you can talk about, you know, all of this, all of the things that are going wrong, but who is actually out there creating solutions? Who is actually out there being in, you know, a healing balm to what's going on? It's so easy to complain and to be upset and to be in that aggression, but to be in the pleasure and the joy of it, that's a lot harder because that requires giving ourselves this permission to be fully expressed, to be fully present, to be in it, to be you know, fluid between the emotions of it all, to be fluid in, you know, the feelings of it all. And I think that's when you're so used to being told how it should be done, and we're really used to being told how it should be done, then it's really hard to be the one to give yourself permission. Oh, I love that so much. So much. That's, yeah, you know, like you said, it's important to go through those, that anger and that grief, but what are we actually, you know, creating in the world? I guess when you look at quantum physics, it tells us that, you know, energetic thoughts and beliefs around creation and actually envisioning something different as opposed to um, staying and sticking in the past is actually way more powerful and it creates like a like a uh, those kind of energetic positive thoughts and beliefs are way more powerful and will create that as otherwise we might just be perpetuating more of the same yeah and i was reading this quote earlier today that i shared with you before we started but um i read this article by Jamie Cook Kokonya, I think that's how you say her name, Jamie Kokonya from Hivos, and she was saying feminism's not, the article's called Feminism is Not the Opposite of Patriarchy. And she says there's this perception that feminism is just the opposite of patriarchy, and thus we need to make room for both. And then she goes on to talk about how it's not the opposite of patriarchy. Um, and actually... She's talking about how it's the dismantling of the patriarchy um, and this kind of um, destroying the patriarchy and creating this new kind of equal society, you know, how that's that's the thing that's needed is this dismantling of the patriarchy. And I, I we hear that so often in our society. Well, well, it kind of in these conversations, in these feminist circles, it's the dismantling of the patriarchy that's necessary. We need to destroy the patriarchy, tear down the patriarchy. And, um, we tear down the patriarchy and we'll create this truly equal society. And you know that after listening to the episode that you just brought up before, I started asking myself this question, like, instead of destroying or dismantling the patriarchy, can we create something of higher consciousness and higher value and just 
simply allow the patriarchy to dissolve by disengaging from it. And it this question arose from the episode that you spoke about that that podcast and it also arose from those conversations with my dad that I just spoke about. Um and just thinking about how so often we put our energy in like in these activism movements and in kind of this sustainability movement, we put so much energy into being against something. And what if we just simply unplugged from that system and we became about something somewhere else? I, f- I just, I just have this sense that that would free up so much more energy to create something different and more beautiful. And instead of needing for things to be smashed down and broken down and busted up, we just simply allow it to dissolve by disengaging. Mm, I love that. Uh, that just, yeah, when you say that, that just, it feels fuller. It feels more whole and like there's possibilities Whilst when I think about, you know, being against something, it feels quite contracting and it feels like it's draining a lot of energy out of me as opposed to giving energy. That's what I feel in my body. Mm, me too. And you know what's really interesting that just, just came out from, to me when you were saying that is, you know, when you do a lot of kind of personal development work and things like that. Sometimes you'll hear people talk about how there's always a benefit to being a victim to something. And the benefit is that you get to stay in whatever story you've created and you get to be the victim in the situation or whatever. And I think sometimes by um, being against something like and and being you know, talking about this destroying and dismantling the patriarchy and and being against that allows us to stay in the position of the victim rather than taking back the power and being our own whole complete beings that are engaged in creating something beautiful in you and just disengaging with the system where we find ourselves in the position of the victim. I don't know if that makes sense, but that to me energetically is what it feels like. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think once again, it for me, it comes down to giving our power away and our sovereignty away. And it's um, even though a lot, you know, activism work when you're against something can feel powerful, um, actually going out and creating something new um, in your own way, what could that feel like? So I love how you bring that up. And it's interesting in that podcast that you spoke about, she did speak about dismantling patriarchy and how often we feel the need to make somebody else guilty or wrong um, when we've been the victim of a system like that. And I think in activism, that power that we can often feel, not always, but often feel, is that power of being the one who is right and therefore somebody else is wrong. And therefore somebody else is in, you know, is lesser than us in this kind of intellectual hierarchy, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that I j- one of the things that's really j- that I try to live by in my life is that there are multiple truths and that even though somebody else's truth to me is feels harmful or even sometimes evil, it's still their truth. And, and so when there's always multiple truths and when I can acknowledge my truth is different from somebody else's, it allows me space to be my own sovereign being and to not feel like I always have to make somebody else wrong in order for me to be right. I can just go about putting my energy into what I'm creating and knowing that that's truth for me instead of putting my energy into what's truth for me and also trying to dismantle somebody else's truth at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense. No, absolutely. It does. And I love that. It's, you know, everything's not black and white and, or nothing is. And, um, I do, I, I do really inherently believe that there is good in everyone. Um, no matter what people do, um, obviously that's 
you know, there's some people that do a lot of evil things in the world, but sometimes I wonder where is that coming from? Like what trauma is that coming from? Not justifying any of those things, of course, but um, yeah, that's, I love how you bring that up. Um, maybe Amy, what I'd like to ask you, what in your opinion does disengagement from patriarchy look like? I think for me, it's redefining a lot of things. Um, for me, disengagement from it is really looking at what are my innate values that I hold and how can I create things and engage with things from that place. Um, I think it looks like sovereignty. Um, as you touched on, I love that word. It's just such a, that exact, that, that is exactly it. It, it, it is sovereignty in terms of, um, just disengaging from anything that doesn't align with me, with my values, that is sovereignty because I'm making choices based on my wholeness and what, you know, what is right based from my wholeness. Um, it's redefining everything from, from beauty to community to openness. It's um, nurturing relationships with supply chains. When, when we're talking about fashion, even rewriting what we call supply chains, I've freaking hate that word we've <laughs> we've said this so many times on so yeah. many different things i can hate the word supply chains um it's you know it's creating community with the women and and men who are engaged in co-creating something beautiful together all of us all of us as one is you know and it's um creating relationships with mother earth and you know the natural world around us in our non-human kin that are a part of co-creating this beauty that becomes a garment that you know is touching somebody's body and you know you know that interaction between skin and somebody else um i think for me disengaging from patriarchy in fashion senses is, is looking at things like that um i think most of all though it's it starts with deep meaningful relationships with the earth and with our non-human kin it's returning to the trueness of ourselves um because i think that's where it was lost from i think we whenever whenever something's been broken like that you have to return to the source of it and I think the source of it was the truth of ourselves the source of it was those deep intimate relationships with the natural world and with each other and so for me disengaging is returning to that what about you what does it look like for you yeah a lot of definitely everything you said um I feel like number one is loving myself like completely wholeheartedly I think that's what I I think that's gonna for me that's the biggest um disruption I feel that we could do love ourselves love one another and love the earth deeply um and you know I think we live in an epidemic where we do not love ourselves where the voices that go on in our heads, the critical voices, we would never say aloud to anyone else yet. Um, because of the systems that we engage with that are telling us we need to be certain ways, do certain things, be perfect all the time, look a certain way, eat a certain thing, blah, 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 etc., etc. Um, we're so harsh on ourselves. And I... So I, I believe that loving ourselves deeply for all our so-called flaws um, inside and out is quite a powerful act of rebellion in these times. Um, and, you know, it sounds so easy, but it's, it's not. Um, loving ourselves, loving the world and building relationships, like you said, with our community with one another with the earth I guess another thing would be redefining what success means for you redefining what 
will make you feel successful and good in this world um, as opposed to doing things like everyone else does, really tuning into how you want to do things and either run your design business or whatever it is that you do in the world, what defines success in that space and really tapping into that and doing things your own way. I think that's a big form of disruption, not following the herd in everything that you do. Listening to your intuition is another one. Intuition, um, also like an element that's usually associated with those feminine energies. And I don't mean once again, female as in gender, but feminine energies that we all have. Intuition's been pushed aside massively um, as this woo-woo thing, but slowly now it's beginning to be a more valued decision maker. And we all have it if we can really cultivate that relationship with our intuition, whether you know you call it your heart space, your gut, that inner knowing, that feeling. I feel the earth, the world would look different if we listened and tapped into that more as opposed to always making decisions from the brain, which is very much programmed by this conditioning, by the societal conditioning. Um, so intu uh, cultivating intuition for me is another big one. But those are the main ones. And I guess for design and fashion, what it looks like is, again, doing things your own way. We've spoken about this before, rhythms what rhythms work for you how do you define success how can your how can your business not not be founded on perpetual growth expansion extraction how can you find other markers for success other ways of doing business that are in harmony with everyone in your eco um, supply community or and how can you um, be in harmony with the earth in everything that you do those would be some ways you could disengage from patriarchy. They're the big ones for me, at least. Yeah, and bringing that intuition into into business and design and fashion, like that intuition and that that spirituality and that kind of that more heart led way of doing things, because we're so often just accepting the way we're told it should be done. Eh? Mm. Exactly. Mm, I just exactly. love that you spoke about. Um, self-love as being one of the most important ways to disengage with patriarchy because you know it's said so often but I so felt it when you said it like it's not self-love as as it's sold and marketed to us but genuine deep self-love like real intimate knowing of oneself and loving of oneself and acceptance of oneself just so different from the self-love that's sold to us online. Yeah, and I think with that self-love comes self-worth and with that comes sovereignty and power. So it's quite a powerful disruptor that I feel we all need to really be, you know, it's, a da it's daily work to, to love yourself because of all the noise and everything around us. Um, I'm almost 31 and I feel like this, has been the, you know, it's been the first year that I've really can say that I really, really love myself because of a lot of deep work and unraveling of onion layers and conditioning I've had to do. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, but I feel it's really important. Such a good spot to like close out on. Is there anything else that you really want to touch on before we close otherwise I feel like that's such an important point to kind of leave for people to mull over I think that's a great place to end might be a conversation we return to when we have some more things to share around it and as our ideas develop I'd love to come back to this conversation <laughs> yeah and it's it's been really great just chatting about it and delving into these little ideas around that are very much I guess focused around our experiences and um yeah it's been great amazing well thank you guys for joining us again today and um 
we look forward to catching you on another podcast thanks for listening everyone bye thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this week's conversation for today's show notes to get in touch or sign up to our mailing list you can find links at the bottom of this episode page and if you are new to our community then head on over to our instagram at sustainability 5.0 and our website www.sustainability5.com and follow along to stay up to date with our upcoming online and in-person events. If you found value in today's conversation, then we would so appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave us a review. Through this, you're helping others to find these important conversations. Have a beautiful and wonderful week, everyone. Bye-bye.